Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Sunday, March 12th. It is late on Selection Sunday. It's almost whatever we call the Monday after Selection Sunday. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and uh, we got a lot to get to, obviously. And uh, let's just dive in. Uh, Norlander, you and I were talking before we actually hit record on this podcast. Uh, we've both been working nonstop since the end of the Selection Show. Like, I'm back in a hotel in Atlanta. Uh, writing a 5,000-word piece about the bracket. You've been doing like a million different things. And so uh, we haven't had a chance to, to discuss the bracket with uh, each other or with anybody else. Uh, so let's just uh, discuss it uh, in real time here. What's the main thing that stood out to you when you saw the bracket get released? All right. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're recording this. I've I've just literally been doing work nonstop. So, and this is just part of the job, and it's fine. I'm not complaining. But aside from calling I'm, in, I'm pick, com- I'm complaining. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know, me, too. dude. I got home when the clocks jumped ahead. I got home. I had to take the train. I just barely made the train out of New York City Saturday night slash Sunday morning. I walked in my door at like 4:20 with the clocks jumping ahead. No, sun, it's like- sun got sun sun woke me up at like 8:20. I'm going on pure pure willpower. Dude desire for this sport it's but no, hey. like I, how about this so i watch the end of arizona oregon late saturday night then pack i'm in new york at that time by the way then pack uh, go to sleep we lose an hour i've got a 5 30 wake-up call which is really a 4 30 wake-up call uh take a car to uh, airport fly to atlanta car to hotel in atlanta shower immediately over to the turner studios for the a selection show with Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, production meeting in the afternoon, then the show. Then I get back here probably around 7.30 or so. I've been writing ever since. But, like, I'm probably – by the time I actually put my head on a pillow again, I will have been awake for 24 straight hours. And that's, like, with no drugs. Like, this isn't even, like, a wild weekend. It's just, like, uh, I'm, I'm sleepy. That's the point I was trying – I am complaining. Uh, so hey, well, listen, no, but you know what? Before we get into this stuff, let's uh, let's give you a little bit of congrats here for being on the selection show with Barkley. I'm sure actually there were thousands upon thousands of people are like, who is that dude and why is Kenny Smith not there? But you did a great job. Yeah, uh, and it was, it, was, it was awesome to see you uh, to, to see you doing that, man. It was uh, it was really cool just, you know, to, to have you on the selection show and, and kudos to that. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it was an awesome opportunity. And Ernie and Charles, I've done a show with Ernie, Charles and Kenny once before on Selection Sunday, except it was like the true TV selection show that came on after the actual selection show. So it was a little bit different. This was actually part of the real selection show on CBS. So it's a it's a pretty big stage. Um, it was supposed to be me, Ernie, Charles and Kenny again t- today. Kenny's mother's sick. And so um, she, he was, he was with her. He's going to be part of the uh, coverage going forward in this NCAA tournament. But he had to bow out of this, I believe, pretty late. So it just ended up being me and Ernie and Charles. And I tell you, um, uh, those two guys, I don't know if you ever met them or been around them much, but I, I but people watch them on television uh, every week. I mean, they're a massive part of of TNT's NBA coverage. Uh, like they have what a lot of people think is the the best studio show. Uh, of any sport on any network and I I think from a distance uh, Ernie comes across as like just like the nicest gentleman like just like seems like a great guy that's the way he comes across on TV and Charles comes across on TV like he would be loads of fun to just be around and I can tell you uh, uh, those are accurate 
representations of who both of those men are. Uh, Ernie's just the best. Like he goes out of your way to goes out of his way to make you feel comfortable and and uh, make you feel uh, welcome. And uh, you know you you have this moment where you're sitting in you know Ernie Johnson's office just like talking with Ernie Johnson and like he's a big deal. And but he doesn't carry himself that way at all. And Charles Charles is just the best man. Like he's you know he walks around that building and he he knows everybody's name. And he like, and I'm talking about the caterers, uh, the the custodians, you know, the production assistants. He's joking with everybody, asking everybody how they've been, inviting people out to his house. Like he's just, um, he seems very aware that he's Charles Barkley, and that when he walks around, people are like, "Man, that's Charles Barkley. I like Charles Barkley." So he seems to go out of his way to to make you uh, not ruin that uh, impression of him. So it, it's it was a real joy to to just be with them all day long hanging out, but also to be able to do uh, that show. So we, right. uh, so, so, so because I'm part of that show, right. we get the brackets early. Like, like how early? The show started at 5.30, so when did you know the bracket? 4.45. Oh, that early? Yeah, now, okay. now there, it was a contingency bracket. Sure, it, it obviously. Was, they, they sent it, and they basically say, as long as SMU wins, which it did, and as long as what was the other game? Uh, the other game was Michigan playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten right. title. Yeah, so they they go ahead and finalize it basically. Which if Wisconsin, we know. Sorry to interrupt. If we know that if Wisconsin had won that game, they would have been a seed line higher, from what right. I understand. Again, there's a million things that have happened, but I feel like I heard or saw that quote somewhere. So we are, uh, you know, we're sitting there and we get a bracket and we're basically instructed, hey, this is it. First off, you're instructed, uh, don't tweet this, <laughs> don't take a picture of this. Um, and like, you, I've got people cause they know I'm there. Like, like even some coaches like texting me. Oh my goodness. And I just stayed out of it. Like I, I, yeah, I, you gotta. I just decided like, this is not going to be the way I lose my job, <laughs> you know, texting, uh, the coaching staff at whatever school that you're going to Sacramento or whatever. So I, I bet you felt a little powerful though, that, that you had information that literally what, like 20 people on earth knew before, you know, uh, there weren't, there were, the t- there were like what, 15 in the room that would have known it with the NCAA. And then, so maybe like 30, 35 people, yeah, very, very few. It is cool because like I I'm holding the bracket and I'm watching literally you tweet. Oh man, I'm so excited. Like I can't, like I can't, I'm getting anxious about this bracket. Right. And I'm like, well, dude, I got it right here in front of me. What do you need to know? Thanks uh, for the text GP. No, I, well, this is, well, this is proof that I didn't text anybody. Like I just was not, that's not the way I'm going to lose my job. And so I get the bracket and first thing I look at is the ones and I'm like, okay, there's Villanova. That makes sense. There's Gonzaga. That makes sense. There's Kansas. That makes sense. Oh no, it's not Duke. <laughs> Cuz I <laughs> I had spent You were the, all in. You I, were absolutely all in. I was all in on Duke. And just in fairness to me, I never said that I uh that Duke will be or would be a number 1 seed. I said they should be. Uh, and I still believe they should have been because uh, when you as a committee member spend a year talking about total body of work, total body of work, total body of work. And then you look at Duke's total body of work on on selection Sunday. And they got more top 25 wins than North Carolina. They got more top 50 wins than North Carolina. They got a better strength of schedule rating than North Carolina. They went 2-1 and one against North Carolina. They have the same number of sub-50 RPI losses as North Carolina. I don't know how you can look at that and not say that Duke has a better total body of work than North Carolina. But ultimately, best I could tell, the way Mark Hollis, the selection committee chair, Michigan State Athletic Director, uh, the way he explained it was just like, hey, North Carolina won the ACC. Well then, stop saying total body of work, and let's just, and let's say yes, winning an unbalanced league 
uh, trumps other things because I don't feel like they've ever framed it that way before, but that seems to be the only way you could frame it to get North Carolina as a one seed ahead of Duke. Yeah, all right. So before we get into the, I'm glad you did that because before we just get into like the bracket projections and or, or just like just general talking about matchups and stuff because I do want to get into that, let's just let's acknowledge the things that are bothering us. Um, the Duke thing doesn't necessarily bother me. Now, when I, I wrote my column late Saturday night from Barclays, I basically I laid out why it should get the number one, but if it didn't, here were going to be the reasons. Now, I have not had a chance to listen to all of what Hollis has told. Uh, I, I listened to a CBS interview, but I, he did a one with he did a teleconference with the media. I haven't heard what he said there. He went on ESPN. I haven't heard what he said there. But what I'm interested to know is if Duke's non-conference scheduling and the fact that it didn't play a true road game, if that played into it. If it did, I will commend the committee for this because the committee should hold major conference teams accountable. And if you want to compare what Duke did compared to the way North Carolina scheduled or Arizona. I get that, and I'm on board with it, and I don't, and it doesn't bother me whatsoever. And yes, again, I'll repeat this forever: losses should matter, loss total should matter. It should not be a deciding factor. But eight is a lot. No one seed's ever been there. What I'm interested in, GP, real quick, is that I'm kind of baffled. I got no issue with Kentucky as a number, uh, number one, two seed. They're five. Arizona six. Duke is seven. So here's, and Hollis goes on CBS, and he says. Duke was never compared with any of the one seeds. It entered Wednesday on the four line, kept winning. We kept moving it up. We kept scrubbing it up. To me, it it, it should have required someone in the room to say, okay. Because if, if you're going with that, if you're starting with your frame of reference that Duke's on the four line, it might hinder the process. And this is why I think we get into some seeding issues, which we will absolutely get to, specifically Wichita State and some other teams. But if you cannot step back and just look at the whole body of work, because you're absolutely right. It was an intriguing situation, but the fact of the matter is when you look at what North Carolina did and when you look at what Duke did, and if you want to compare those two teams, there is really no case for North Carolina to be ranked ahead of Duke in that seed line. But why are they there? Because we know that the committee did not at any point over the past four days bring North Carolina's team sheet up, bring Duke's team sheet up, and compare them both. It never even got to that point. That's a mistake on the committee's part. It was just a weird thing to hear him say because that is essentially what he said. Well, you have to understand when we were in the room on Wednesday, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this is the gist of it. When we were in the room on Wednesday, like Duke was a four. We weren't even talking about him. So, like, we, you know, we looked at him a little bit more and a little bit more. But, like, it, it was almost like, yeah, Duke's total body of work might be better than North Carolina's, which it is, by the way. I don't even – you can't – like – Good luck trying to argue against it with me because I'm going to come with all the numbers. They got a better strength of schedule, more top 25 wins, more top 25 wins, more time, I mean, more top 50 wins, same number of sub 50 RPI losses. Um, yeah, eight losses is a lot. It's only one more than seven, though. Are you really telling me where you draw the line between a one seed and can't be a one seed is is seven or eight? Like, wh- who made that up? So um, you can't like actually compare total bodies of work and clearly come away a with North Carolina, or at the very least. To make it where you don't think North Carolina and Duke could could should at least be compared against each other, uh, the only way to do that is if you say, yeah, we never got to that point because of where Duke was on Wednesday, which suggests to me that what he's saying is, yeah, if Duke would have had this total body of work and gotten those wins, you know, in February, then that Duke would have been in a different spot. But because those 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 wins, three of their biggest wins came on uh, March 9th, 10th, and 11th. They got three top 25 RPI wins on March 9th, 10th, and 11th. It was almost like, yeah, that was too late to get those wins for us to seriously consider them for a one seed, which makes no sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And I think the committee, unfortunately, and listen, they do. Let me say one more thing because you brought this up. I hate non-league strength of schedule as a reference Uh, point. Okay. You want Uh, want to battle on this? Why? Why, though? Why? Because if you play in the ACC or you play in the Big 12, you'd have to be a maniac to have a a good non-league strength of schedule. Why should you be playing? Like, you know who should have a great non-league strength of schedule? Wichita State. Not, but they have no control over that, GP. No, 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 of no, no, course no, they no, want no, one. No, no, they, Okay, let me rephrase. This is what I mean. You know who should try their best to get a great non-league strength of schedule? Wichita State, Gonzaga, uh, uh, maybe Dayton. You know, teams that are in leagues that aren't going to give them a million opportunities to get quality wins, so you got to go try to get them in your non-league schedule. Those are, And I understand, like, somebody says, I'm not playing Wichita State, or I'm not playing Gonzaga, or I'm not playing Wilmington, or I'm not playing... Uh, whatever, Uh, but those are the type of teams that should be trying to schedule in a way that would create a great non-league strength of schedule. If you play in the ACC, if you're Duke or North, or let me be clear, or North Carolina or Virginia or Notre Dame, why would you be out there scheduling like crazy in your non-league when you're going to have a top 50 opportunity Basically every night in your league. It just, to me, if, and, and to focus on non-league strength of schedule completely runs counter to total body of work. Let's just look at entire strength of schedule. If we're going to look at the total body of work, I don't understand why on one hand they say total body of work is what matters, and, and then they immediately turn around and say, yeah, we're going to dock you because of a non-league strength of schedule. No, look at our entire strength of schedule. Judge us on all 33 games we played. Not not the, the, the 17 that we played in November and December. I hate the idea of non-league strength of schedule. Why do you like it? I like it because... One, I like what you're saying in terms of whole strengths of schedule. I got no issue with that. I like it because it, in a broader sense, is better for college basketball if the selection committee works as a check and balance with the major conference teams who, if they could get away with it, would schedule like crap um, to, in order to up their win totals so coaches can get more wins to get bigger checks, to have higher win totals, all that stuff. To me, it's as much about that as it is about um, – Fine. Don't schedule like that. Schedule like Duke. And if it's and, and if North Carolina was more aggressive and went out and scheduled road games and played a better non-conference strength of schedule, then hell yeah. Then I got zero issue if the if the resumes are pretty balanced. If you you're giving it credit to the team that scheduled, that's why Wake's in the field. Wake Forest is not in this tournament if Danny Manning doesn't schedule five non-conference road games. So if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna be that aggressive, it doesn't have to be a mandate. But if other teams are gonna do that, then hell yeah, they should get more credit for it because if you didn't do it, you should be docked. Okay, cool. that's that's the way that I that's the way that I look at it, and it's why Syracuse also is not in the field because what they did in their non-conference was crap. They only won two games away from home all season. It was against two teams that didn't even come close to making the field. So when it comes to that. I have zero problem with it being a not a determining factor, but something that should be discussed at length because the dichotomy, and this is why major majors get screwed, is because they cannot schedule like this. And when they don't schedule like that, it's creating two very different uh, existences between these power conference teams that can that can load up in league play. And then you got teams like Illinois State, who was a good team. No one was going to schedule them this year. Middle Tennessee romped and they were a really good team in CUSA they're at they're limited in what they can do so by grading non-conference schedule performance and how you and how you improve or don't I think benefits the teams that often get seed snubs and that's you know in a nutshell there's a lot of factors there but that's why I'm, I'm so in favor of it. I, I guess it cuts both ways what I would say is um, 
it is true that the Wichita states and the Illinois states can't go out in Middle Tennessee, Wilmington, uh, maybe Monmouth gets to that point where they can't go out and schedule because nobody will play them. Well, on the other hand, on the other side of that, is the fact that there are a lot of high major programs that can't go out and just play games on the road because. They have arenas and season ticket packages. That yeah, but you can play one or two. Carolina needs to fill in a, a massive arena parish, and Roy always schedules on the road. I'm, I'm saying even one or two road but, games, but or, or play or play a better overall non-conference strength of schedule. Invite Wichita State to your house. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I guess what I would say is I know this has forever been an issue with Memphis. You know, they like Memphis fans say, why don't you play more interesting home and homes? And the answer from the administration is always, we have to have 18 home games because we need to sell 18. Uh, home games for a season ticket package to be able to fund uh, our men's and women's soccer teams because Memphis basketball, at least historically, uh, funds much of that athletic department. So um, I'm not defending Tubby Smith's scheduling uh, uh, theory, but the truth is even if he wanted to go out and schedule, 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 his hands are tied. Like you, He's got to have buy games inside FedEx Forum so that they can sell that. That I'm just saying that there are things that hinder the, the low majors and mid-majors. I hear you. There are also things that hinder sometimes uh, the high majors as well. They, like There are a lot of high majors that just have to play uh, the, these, these types of home games. Either way, um, you know. This it, is what got Vandy into the field. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bryce scheduled aggressively in the non-conference. The toughest strength of schedule per RPI. And it, not only to get Vandy in the field, and I and I do push back on this. It cut Vandy a nine, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. No matter, and this is maybe where we would agree a little bit, GP. I don't care how hard your non-conference strength of schedule or your strength of schedule is. If you have 15 losses, dear Lord, you should not ever be a single-digit seed. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it, it, and yeah, transition this however you want. Um, but my point is, if there, you know, if there is X, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F in terms of what we're looking at I consider non-conference something that should be in the mix I don't put it above everything else I just I, I do believe that it should matter um, not necessarily more than overall strength of schedule I think that should matter as well but that's why you're seeing wake in the field and, right. and Vandy getting what it did um, and this has also led to I think inconsistencies with seating there's no doubt that it that it matters I just um, I would much rather than put an emphasis on on uh, total strength of schedule as opposed to non-conference schedule because I think that's a more fair uh, barometer because if I were a high major coach, d- despite everything you're telling me um, and everything you believe, if I were the coach at, say, uh, forget Duke and North Carolina because you should be awesome enough in most years to just handle whatever schedule's in front of you. But, like, if I'm the coach at Virginia Tech, why on earth would I add difficult games to my non-league schedule when I've got to go play Duke, Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, Virginia, Notre Dame. Like, why would I, Miami? Why would I add? Like, am, am I am I on a, Here's, well, this am is I on why. a suicide so me, mission? Well, I I get that GP, but if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a D1 coach listening to this podcast right now, and we do have them, um, I would look at Wake Forest because if Wake Forest didn't schedule the way that it did in out of league play and had simply relied on the murderous schedule in ACC play, it would not have gotten in. So there are benefits to doing it the way that they did it. Now, it won't always work out. And, hey, maybe sometimes your team just sucks and they're not good enough. They don't deserve to get in. But I see where you're coming from. Right. But there's definitely there are definitely benefits. And there's zero doubt in my mind. I mean, Wake barely got in. And I'm convinced that it got in because of its non-conference ambition. I, I'm, you couldn't I, you couldn't I, no, I, otherwise, I, as Hollis told me directly. I totally agree with you. I guess, and we're going to move on in just a second. My only point would be, I know that there are benefits. I don't think there ought to be. 
I understand that there there are. I just don't believe that non-conference strength of schedule should matter nearly as much as it does to the committee. We're going to get back to this conversation in just a second. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been confusing for a long time. It doesn't have to be anymore. That's because of SeatGeek, particularly when you use the promo code COLLEGEBB. Here's what you're going to do. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com, but download the app anyway. It's just a cool thing to have on your phone because you never know when you're going to need it. Purchase tickets to anything. doesn't have to be college basketball. It could be... Uh, a baseball game, NBA games, concerts you want to go to. Download the ticket, uh, purchase the tickets, uh, use the promo code COLLEGEBB, and SeatGeek's going to send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's 20 bucks for you after you make your first ticket purchase after using the code COLLEGEBB. Now, if you're wondering why SeatGeek is better than all the other ticket brokers, here's why. Uh, they're going to get you the best seat, they're going to get you the best price, and the reason is because they're searching other ticket sites for you. Once upon a time, you'd have to go here and look, here and look, here and look, here and look. You never knew if you are getting the best seat or the best price. Now you do. SeatGeek handles that for you. They do all the work. You save time and money. So download that app, SeatGeek app. Purchase tickets. Use the promo code COLLEGEBB. And SeatGeek's going to send you 20 bucks after you made your first ticket purchase. Again, promo code COLLEGEBB. That's SeatGeek. Millions of tickets in one place. Why does the committee hate Wichita State? Dude, all right. So let's get into this thing. Um, here's... All right. There's going to have to be changes. All right. The committee and I wrote I wrote a column on this. I, I hit on a number of missed seeds. And with half disclosure, I, I spoke with someone not Hollis. I spoke with someone a few days ago that was going to be in the room. Um, and I asked about what had, you know, someone who's been in the room in recent years and what the process is. And, hey, listen, you're looking forward and introducing Sager and Ken Palm in terms of an, an official role, perhaps as early as next year. So with that in mind and, and with the committee's, um, you know, embrace of that, do you expect that you'll have teams perhaps have their seating reflected more in regard to Sagarin or BPI or Ken Palm? And I was told, don't expect that. We do have rules and procedures in place. We will follow those like we always have. It does not mean that those teams won't get brought up in those regards. And if certain people want to fight for them and to be higher seeds, that will certainly be on the table. But don't necessarily expect um, that that would happen. Now, I meet with the committee members on Saturday morning, talk with them, talked in general terms about Wichita State and a team having that. I left that, <laughs> I left that breakfast thinking that Wichita State at worst would be a nine seed, was fairly confident it wasn't going to sniff a, a six. I thought eight's probably where it's going to land. I was stunned to see them at a 10. They're at a 10 because of the RPI team sheets. They're at a 10 because they have only beaten one team that's in the field. Um, but at the same time, when you have unbiased uh, odds makers ranking Wichita State as a top 10 team, when you have multiple predictive metrics that are ranking Wichita State as a top 12 team across the board, um, that indicates three seed quality, and I'm not asking to, to abide by that. I'm saying if you even want to split the difference and go to a six or seven, it would have been acceptable. But for Wichita State to continually get screwed like this, it to me signals – to me this is the worst misseeding ever. And there might have been a misseeding in 96 that was brutal that I don't know about. But I, I can tell you this. I've been like passionately tracking and writing about the tournament for a decade. There has never been a team that's this good that has been so blatantly misseeded. Now, if the committee wants to rely on the fact that they're going by their official black book rules, whatever. Like – change them let's hope hopefully this is the thing that fixes this process going forward but it's not just wichita state when you've got 
a Big Ten. And I said this on the podcast like six weeks ago, Parrish. I knew this was going to happen. You just had a bunch of teams coagulate in the middle. You couldn't really separate them because everyone had these massive drawbacks and these these mild fortes to their resume. I Listen, I think Melo Trimble's awesome. Maryland is ranked 23rd. I don't even come close to understanding that. Wisconsin's 29. Minnesota's ahead of both of them. Missed seedings across the board. SMU, predictable as hell that they would be underseeded like this. So, to me, people like to say, oh, oh yeah, just complain for you complain on Sunday night, Monday morning, and you look forward to the tournament. No, actually, we can do both. We can look forward to the tournament, and we're going to do that. But let's not just let this be some four-hour bitch session that dies off. No, let's hold the committee accountable. Let's try and get better at this. Let's introduce a composite metric. Let's have these discussions that are more based in the reality of what these teams are. Like, my goodness. It, it, you think Archie Miller's happy right now? You no. think John? Do you think John Calipari's happy? No, they're, they're actually, quite frankly, they're going to be pissed. Like, because well, Archie this? Miller's probably thrilled with a seven because he dodges the eight, nine game. But now he's got he's to face a team that's basically the quality of a four seed. It's completely, I'll, I'll hand it off to you, GDP. This is unfair. Listen, the tournament's always awesome, but we want to make it as – just try and make the structure of it as, as close to something that it should represent as possible. So we just don't want the, the integrity of the bracket compromised before it starts. It's just unfair. That's all. It, it, it's going to be great no matter what, but can we try and just get this a little bit better? Seating is still not where it should be. Yeah, if I'm Greg Marshall, like I'm, I'm disrespected, and he, he was. I don't know if you saw his press conference tonight, but he said um, – I'm just glad they they remembered to put us in the field. Like I thought, I, like you know, at what point did they just forget to put us in? Like like if they're gonna make us, a, if they're so disrespectful of us, they make us a ten seed. Like well, that's just one step removed from like not even having Wichita in the field of sixty eight. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, and you know who is? If I'm Greg Marshall, I'm disrespected. And then I go, you know what? We're favored in our first round game because they are, by the way, by six, six and, and a half, half points. They're ridiculous. A ten, they're a ten. That's to, if you're on that committee and you want to be embarrassed by how you seeded Wichita State, go look at the point spread that Vegas put on that game. They made your ten seed a six and a half point favorite over your seven seed. So if I'm Greg Marshall, you know what I say? All right, we got a winnable game in our first round. That's fine with me. Let's go play it. Um, if I'm Archie Miller, I'm furious. We won our league. Uh, we got a seven seed, and now we got to play a team that's ranked eighth at Ken Palm, a team that Vegas thinks is six and a half points better than us. Like what? And if I'm and if John Calipari, I'm going to hold up. We're going to be uh, a number two seed, SEC They're champs. They're the strongest two seed, and they have to face Wichita State. They're both top ten Ken Palm teams. What are we doing here? No, it's ridiculous. Kentucky's going to be SEC outright champs, SEC tournament champs, a two seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to have to play a round of 32 game, presumably, uh, against a team that's ranked eight at Ken Palm. They'll be like a three-point favorite over Wichita State. I mean, it'll be something like that. Two-and-a-half, yep. three-point favorite over Wichita State. That's not the type of game you're supposed to be playing if you're a two-seed in the uh, round of, of 32. And so back-to-back uh, -back years, this has happened. Last year, Wichita State being under-seeded, you know who it screwed? Sean His brother. Miller. Sean yes. Miller. How about, how about that? I and, mean... and now, guess who gets screwed? Archie Miller. I mean, it's, it's, it's like I – and I don't even understand it because it's almost – I mean, I understand it. You're right. They just looked at the RPI team sheet and said, well, only one victory over a team in the field. Like, they haven't beaten anybody. If you hadn't beaten anybody, this is what we do to you. But you have to under – like, at some point, common sense has to play a role. And somebody has to step up and say, okay, you're right. I'm looking at the same sheet you're looking at. They haven't beaten anybody. 
they also haven't played anybody in three months, and it's not their fault. You know, it's, you know they killed everybody. And like, they killed not like everybody. They're, winning close. they're romping teams. Ugh. As we've talked about before, they lost uh, two games week of Thanksgiving to Louisville and Michigan State when they were still trying to figure out how to play without Fred VanVleet, how to play without Ron Baker, how to play without Evan Wessel. You know, everybody remembers the two pros. They also lost another starter. They lost three starters off that Wichita State team last year. And, uh, you know, this isn't quite apples to apples, but, like, do you remember what happened when when Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors and everybody's roles were changed and people were asked to do new things? Do you remember opening night? They got blasted uh, it, by the Spurs. Lose, yeah. Yes, they got they lost by like a million. Do you remember the first 20 games? And it might not have been 20. It might have been 10. Or it could have been 30. I don't know. But like the beginning of the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, big three in Miami, like they weren't very good. It took LeBron James a little while to figure out how to play with new people. It took Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, not too long, but a little bit of time, to learn how to play with each other. And so why should we not think it's going to take Wichita State with three new starters a, a minute to get it together. So it did. It took them a minute to get it together. But when they got it together, they started destroying anybody. And so to say they haven't beaten anybody is to leave off the second part of that paragraph, which is, yeah, but that's because they haven't played anybody in three months. If they'd have been playing real teams for the past two months, they'd have all the quality wins you want. They'd probably finish top three in the Big 12 this year. They just would. And so to penalize them based on that um, is just insane to me because it doesn't just hurt them. It hurts it hurts the teams that they get paired against, in this case, uh, Dayton and possibly uh, Kentucky. And there's got to be a fix to this. You can't do this every year. I mean, it's just when you look up and, and odds makers have made your seven seed a significant, a sizable underdog to your, ten, to, to your 10 seed, it means you messed up. And it's not like you messed up because Vegas knew something that the rest of the world didn't. Literally everybody who knows anything about advanced metrics and all of this stuff understands how good Wichita State is despite its lack of quality wins. Anybody, anybody understands that don't look at the team sheet to try to figure out what, how good Wichita is. Look at the metrics, use your eyeballs, uh, focus on Greg Marshall. And, and because they aren't willing to even compromise. Like, by the way, their, their Kimpom ratings suggest they should be a two seed. Their Sagarin ratings suggest they should be a three. And their uh, RPI, which is a flawed number that doesn't even value them, it still suggests that they ought to be a, an eight. The idea that you could get 10, 10 out of that is insane. Like, what you should do is go, okay, Ken Palm says three. I mean, Ken Palm says two. Sagarin says three. RPI says eight. Let's split the difference. Let's make them a six. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think anybody would have been outraged if Wichita State would have been a six. That's a perfectly reasonable place to put them. But 10, that's unreasonable, and it messes that whole part of the bracket up. I agree. And what's also weird about this, and I mentioned this in the column, uh, St. Mary's gets a seven. I don't have an issue with it. SMU, oddly misseeded, but like St. Mary's had two top 50 wins. The resume isn't that different. So like I'm cool with with St. Mary's getting seated and slotted where it did. I have no issue with it. I don't get how you can do that and look at a four-loss St. Mary's team and decide that team's going to be on the seven line. And then you look at a four-loss Wichita State team and decide that it's going to be a 10. There's just too many inconsistencies here. Again, you're ha- you just you run into bracket integrity, and just real quick here, th- that's not the only one. Wichita State should be the one that we harp on. Like there should be change. We should remember 2017 as the year that oh yeah, Wichita State was a 10. It was egregious. I don't even care if Dayton wins. By the way, Dayton's good. If Dayton can beat Wichita State. It will not validate the seating. Preach that until you fall asleep, because it, that's what happens to the tournament. 
Oh man, I, well, if, well, if Wichita, if Wichita well, State loses, people are going to be coming out of the freaking no, woodwork. Well, those people will be thought. Like once a game starts, a game starts. Like the, the like the outcome of of the Wichita State Dayton game won't have anything to do with anything we're saying right now. Um, Wichita State was badly misseeded, and and like you're exactly right. St. Mary's gets what a seven? Is that what you said? Or a seven. Okay. Yeah. St. Mary's has two wins over teams in the field. Two. Yeah. So like so like what are we talking about? Like that's the difference, really, because because they they beat Nevada in November. They beat Nevada because the difference between uh, apparently between St. Mary's and Wichita State, besides the fact that Wichita State's ahead of them drastically in in the metrics, um, is that St. Mary's beat Nevada literally on the opening night of the season, like literally. Uh, four months ago, yeah. Four months ago, that's that's the difference between a seven seed and a ten seed. And, and yeah. is that is that one of them beat Nevada four months ago? Get at it. What are you talking about? What are we that's, even talking about here? What are we even talking about here? And then Vandy getting the nine. South Carolina is a seven. That's a joke to me. And they get to play in Greenville. Now, listen, people won't have any issue with it because if South Carolina wins, it'll be against Duke and. There might be a little bit, oh, Duke gets a little bit of his own medicine, but whatever. Like, you shouldn't be a seven getting slight geographic advantage. Um, that was an oversight, in my opinion. Plenty of the seating was fine. I, I over And by the way, you said this on television, GP, I heard you, and I fully agree. I will commend the committee fully. The right 68 teams are in the field. Yes. Like, I have no problem with the selection, but the seating, there are just too many inconsistencies here. They clearly could not solve what they wanted to do with the Big Ten. I look at this seed list, and I see, I see a committee that could not come to terms with what to do with all of these teams. And I'd even argue that Michigan State's body of work is, is worthy of a six instead of a seven right now. But if it's one line, I won't make too much of it. Right. But listen, I know every year people get, you know, people we talk about the seeding, but to me it's important. Like let's just try and have it be as as accurate as possible. It'll never be perfect, it, you know, whatever. But let's just try and improve the process hopefully this will do that kind of thing and it's just of course it had to be wichita state two years in a row so we see what happens i uh i didn't tweet but uh it out i wish i would have in hindsight but like uh hand on my heart uh on my son's lives um i did have all 68 teams correct when i sat down today and and, and put 68 teams in a, in a computer file i had the 68 uh correct my last one in though um was I think my last one in was Kansas State, and my first one out was Syracuse. And so I didn't have Syracuse in the field. So I would have had 68 of 68. Um, and really, like, when you started looking at it, as, as you know, the selection still was approaching, uh, it really was like, it, it was like, t- who were you even picking between? It was basically like you had one spot open for Syracuse, Kansas State. USC uh, was in there for USC, some. USC, maybe Vanderbilt was in there for some. But it was like you had one spot for four teams, and that's about it. Like, it wasn't like there were all these. By the time we actually got ready to go, it was pretty clear that uh, almost everybody was going to get 67 teams right. Like, if you if you didn't get 67 of the teams right, like, you you just, I don't even know what you were doing. Um, yeah. And so. It, you know what that signals, GP? That signals a really relatively strong bubble. I mean, if you've got that much of a consensus, in my opinion, you don't have that much floating. To me, that signals. A stronger year than normal. We used to think it was it was weak. I think by the end of it, I, I think this was actually a fairly solid year just in terms of teams, you know, separating themselves. So as you start looking ahead a little bit, like into the bracket, is there any possible matchups that interest you? Any first round matchups that you find compelling? Uh, okay, let me let me pull up the bracket here, GP. Um, well, okay. So as I pull it up, doesn't uh, 
Isn't there the prospect that Wojciechowski faces Krzyzewski? Could be a second, yeah, round of 32 game. Duke gets Troy in the first round. Marquette gets South Carolina. Oh, by the way, South Carolina being a seven seed, that's another one that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if Marquette is able to beat South Carolina and Duke presumably gets past Troy, uh, you get Coach K against Wojo in the round of 32. And I, I know because, like, when we got the brackets, somebody in the production meeting said, oh, of course they were going to do that. I don't know that they actually do those things on purpose. Where do you, it's inevitable. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you just, yeah, no, no. You just run into that. You just you it, run yes. into that kind of stuff. You just do. There's it's too all- much. There's too much. There's too many. Uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, for for a lack of a better term, GP. There's too much inbreeding in college basketball coaching <laughs> right. that you're going to always have. You could put any sort of bracket together. There will always be one of these types of scenarios. And for every one of those, I can say, Hey, look, the two Patinos aren't anywhere, you know, near close to each other in the bracket. So for any everyone that you see, there are plenty that could have happened that did not. Right. Um, and so, like, yeah, I'm just looking at it now. You've got. You know, a, a former SEC assistant against a former SEC assistant in the East Tennessee State against Florida. You know, like those guys have known each other, Michael White, White and Steve Forbes, forever. Nobody put that together intentionally. You get Florida Gulf Coast and Florida State in the first round. That's kind of neat. Yeah, and you get uh, Kentucky Northern, Kentucky. Not that that's like, you know, they just in terms of we got two two regional ones. In terms of future matchups here, um, I mean, if we want to go, if we want to go really deep. Uh, let's see, you know, if Arizona and Gonzaga were to meet in the Elite Eight, you know, they had a, a pr- pretty epic game back in the day. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, Maryland Xavier is the Deswell special. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, could, could get a Baylor-Duke Sweet 16. That was an Elite Eight game with Epe Udo, I believe. Yep. Um, Gonzaga is a one seed in Salt Lake City. That happened in 2013. I was there when Wichita State won and upset Gonzaga. So we'll see if history repeats itself there. Um, GP, what else? Do we, there was one that I know I don't know it off the top of my head here. What was it? Because I, so I remember when I saw the bracket, I thought, hmm, that's pretty interesting. What was it, though? I'm trying to look and see what break. what's going to break. Oh, um, oh, this this is just... This is just uh, Larinaga beat Izzo in the first round when Mason went to the Final Four. They match up each each other this year. And if Michigan State wins, you'll have Izzo, who got into the hall last year, facing Self, who should get into the hall this year. Um, one interesting thing, uh, perhaps it's just because of where I live, but if Kentucky wins its first two games, John Calipari is going back to Memphis uh, because the South Regional Oh, is, look at that. Yeah, the South yeah. Regional is at a FedEx Forum. And by the way, like to my friends in Memphis— I don't. If you don't already have tickets, they're probably super expensive now. But you could end up with a Memphis regional with North Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, and let's just keep it seed uh, appropriate, Butler. So you could have North Carolina, Butler, UCLA, Kentucky. You could get a possible UCLA-Kentucky rematch from earlier this season. You Bruins won, of course, at Rupp Arena. And then you could end up with a, uh, a possible U- Kentucky-North Carolina rematch. That game was in December in Las Vegas. That's the one where Malik Monk went for 47 points. Or you could end up with UNC-UCLA, which, like, wow. Like, would that be great as well? Like, I mean, you're talking in terms of most interesting regional final. Uh, I think a possible North Carolina-Kentucky or North Carolina-UCLA in Memphis is about as good as it gets. And John Calipari being back inside the place where, you know, he once had the number one team in the country, like, that's going to be a huge story uh, in Memphis, I don't know if it'll resonate nationally, but Calipari back in Memphis is a huge story in Memphis. 
Nova Duke at the Garden, which both of those fan bases will yep. fill that building, that that would compete with it. You'd have the two most recent national champions, yep. and including you know the reigning national champion there, would be super interesting. But uh, it would be really good for college basketball if 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 the East broke that way, and then as long as you had Carolina on top, and either UCLA or Kentucky, either one, that would be that would be huge. Um, what was another one I saw? GP. I like the. I'll add. I like the overall look of the bracket and the matchups. I'll be honest. Like, I don't know. A couple of times in the past, like two or three years, I remember thinking, like, okay, some of these are fine, but I wasn't. But I, I don't know. I do like, even though there are issues with seating, I like a lot of way. A lot of the way uh, the first round at least shapes up. Some of my favorite games. Michigan, Oklahoma State. Uh, Michigan obviously is a great story because I like both of shape. those teams. I like those are yeah. if they weren't playing each other, I might pick both those teams to advance. Yeah, I, I exactly. And, and Oklahoma State right now has the number one ranked points per possession offense in the country. I don't think people realize that they are uh, very much for real. I'm uh, I'm intrigued by Notre Dame, Princeton. Notre Dame should win, but that's the first tip on Thursday. I think that's a pretty fun opening tip. Um, just generally intrigued to see how Northwestern plays in this first tournament, if it'll uh, be ready to go or might be uh, a little too odd by the moment. And then another game that I think is is really, really good and fantastic is the Miami-Michigan State game, just because there's a lot of dudes on the floor in that game, just big, strong athletes. I, that, I literally I had to call in and make my picks, and the two games that took me the longest to decide were Nova or Duke to get to the Final Four in Miami-Michigan State. I literally flipped a coin. And it landed on heads, and I was going to just say heads the higher seat. So I have Miami winning that game because I, I just could not decide. Um, and then Dayton-Wichita State is just everyone's going to tune into that one. So I think we've got a number of really interesting ones. Have you filled out your bracket yet? I filled out a bracket. Just I scribbled through it because I'm sitting here doing this column about all these interesting things in the bracket, and I realized I haven't even looked ahead in the bracket at all. So I filled one out just to yeah. like see if anything jumped out at me. Um, I don't like I don't know if this is going to be the one I submit. Truth is, it doesn't matter what I submit. Everybody's bracket ends up looking like garbage. Um, you know what's interesting about Dayton, Wichita State also, though? Like name the two coaches who most people every year put on everybody's coaching list for a power five job. Like it might I be think, Greg, it might be Greg and Marchie, right? I think that's a really good observation. I had not even put that together, but you're absolutely on the money there. Like they're everybody's wish list. Like right now we've got Missouri open and Illinois open and NC State open and Archie and Greg would be uh, like one and two probably on everybody's wish list. I don't know that any of those schools are going to get either one of them, um, but it is funny. Like these two outside of the power structure, traditional power structure coaches that everybody um, hopes is going to move to their school every year like they happen to be coaching against each other in the NCAA tournament in the round of 64. So that's a, that's a neat observation. Oregon dropped down to a three. You think that's because of Chris Boucher? Yeah, and I have no problem with that. I think Neither that's actually I. right. Uh, I think that's the right call by the committee. He's a vital player. Oregon did not make the uh, Pac-12. Did they make the Pac-12 title game? Yeah, they did, right? Yeah, they beat yeah, Cal right. in the semifinals. That's when he tore that's his right. ACL. Then they that's lost right. to Arizona. They were down big. Uh, yeah, that's you were, right. Because you were at, you were at, kind of, yeah. you were at the – I was at the AC. I was at the ACC in writing, so that, yeah. I didn't see any of the game. But I, I remember seeing a few highlights that Brooks kind of kept a minute. Um, yeah, with with what they lose in him, I think a three is actually extremely fair. I think that's the the very right thing to do there. So no problems there. Um, I, I We're going to record again on Wednesday morning, GP. So I almost want to like just go through our brackets then. But if if we want to tease anything, I'll just tell people I tweeted this out. I called this in like 
I just ran through it. I got Rhode Island in the Elite Eight. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> no, like, I, and, and I love their and I love their talent. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have I have them, and then what's my other ridiculous? Oh, I think I, I, yeah, I have uh, Oklahoma State in the Sweet Sixteen. Well, here's the thing so. with Rhode Island. Okay, so they're a preseason top twenty-five team, um, and then they had injuries and like you know they took some losses and then whatever. Uh, but they're healthy now, finally, like completely healthy. And uh, EC Matthews looks great. And Karan Iverson's like become a consistent player, which is not anything anybody like that's not a word. Like I talked to Dan Hurley just the other day and he said Karan Iverson's been our most consistent player. And I'm like like the last thing you would have ever heard anybody say about Karan Iverson, either when he was in high school or at Memphis, would, would be he's consistent. Like that's what he's known for being inconsistent. Like I I'll never forget I was at a, a summer event uh one time and and you know, I, I didn't I didn't know who he was. And but, I, but there was this kid out there just balling out. I had good size. He's making shots. And I was sitting with one of the recruiting analysts. I'm not sure which one. And I was like, who is that? And they were like, Karan Iverson. I said, Where's, where, do you, where do you have him ranked? They were like, uh, 55th. I'm like, 55th? There aren't 54 better players than that dude. No way. And they were like, there's not 54 better players than the guy you're watching right now. But in the next game, he won't even, like, he won't score a point. Like, he just disappears. And, like, the best version of him is the top 20 player in America. Uh, the most common version of him is, like, 55th. And uh, that certainly was he was what he was, you know, when he got to Memphis. It was just like he was a mess. He ends up transferring to Rhode Island. And, and somehow, and I, I tip my hat to, to Dan and, and Jim Carr and that staff, like, they've, they've connected with him and got through to him. And, you know, but like my point is, he's a he's a high major talent at Rhode Island. EC Matthews is a guy who was once thought about as an NBA player. Um, they're good, they're talented, and they've won eight straight games now. And you start looking at their path. You know, in the round of 64, they get Creighton. Creighton, of course, is without Maurice Watson, so they got a, a, a Creighton team that's not what it was once uh, projected to be. Then in the round of 32, they could end up playing Oregon, who we just mentioned is without Chris Boucher. Uh, round of uh, Sweet 16, you know, they run into either Michigan or Louisville. Like, I don't know how you got them past that, <laughs> but, but I got because I got I got Oklahoma State there, so oh, I got okay. them. I got them over. Yeah, that's why. Okay. I went through this. I I this is the one thing in being in this business now for you know seven eight years or whatever. I I don't have what so many people listening to this podcast have, and that's the ability to just like reflect on a bracket look at it kind of just you know tuck it under your arm and wait until tuesday or maybe wednesday to, to fill it out and just totally overthink it we are required to get this thing out there and so <laughs> bad decisions are made i have the right to change it i think i'm gonna stick with it why not like just f it it's only picks like who cares but uh but yeah that's my my biggest wild card sleeper is rhode island to the elite eight and um I mean, do you want to wait till Wednesday to kind of like really go through our well, picks? Well, I've or? already tweeted my final four. I'll go through it. I've got Duke, okay. I've got Duke, Gonzaga, Kansas, and UCLA as my final four picks. I've got Duke beating Gonzaga in the final four. I got UCLA beating Kansas in the final four, and then I've got UCLA. You do winning the yeah. national championship. I just figure if you pick Duke, people are just going to say, "Oh, it was a preseason number one." Great job, college basketball analyst. You picked the team with nine McDonald's All-Americans. And so I, I, I know that I'll get a little bit of that with UCLA, too. And I know UCLA, like, um, has some obvious flaws. But, like, when they're clicking, they're clicking. I, I, you know, I think they're one of seven or eight teams. Here's the other thing, and then we can get out of here after this. Um, I don't think there's much difference between, you know, the, you go look at the seed list, right? And it's, it's Villanova and it's Kansas and it's 
uh, North Carolina and it's Gonzaga and then it's uh, Arizona and uh, Kentucky and Duke and whatever. Like, go through just like the top eight, nine teams on that seed list. I don't think there's much difference between them at all. I, I do think there's difference in the resumes, but in terms of quality of team, I don't think there's much difference between them at all. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. Now, I was asked to power rank the the field 168 based on who I think is most likely to least likely win it. Kansas, I have first um, because they're my pick to win it all. They were in the preseason, midseason. I'm not bailing on that. Um, and I agree with you in terms of you said eight. I actually think that it gets to eight. I would Louisville is a two. I put them slightly below uh, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky. UCLA, Arizona, Gonzaga, Villanova. Who am I forgetting? There are eight of them. I'm forgetting someone in there. Who is it? Either way, um, I put them just below that. But I think there's like a group of eight that are. Oh, you North separate. Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here's, so there here's, you go. Let's let's look. Let's define the list of possible national champions right now. Gonzaga, Villanova, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, yeah. Duke. UCLA, Arizona. Yes. That's and eight. I personally, I put Louisville just a notch below. Um, I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I, I, I think that the eight that you just mentioned are at a table by themselves. At a table by themselves, but the chairs at the table ain't much different. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all eating the same food or however watch this awful metaphor. They're all eating the same food. At, they're, at a, my, they're at a table yeah. by themselves, but they all got the same meal. Yeah. All right. Here's my final. They're at a fork. table by themselves, but they all have the same forks. Sure, man. Is, shout out to it? Devin. Shout out to Devin Downey, by the way. Man, who do you think? Been, who do you think's got the best opportunity to turn into Devin Downey and put his team on his back and go get thirty and beat somebody? Um, TJ TJ Cromer. No, I'm gonna go with. Um, it's got to be someone like you know, relatively diminutive. So how about? Like, but like, really could like go out and ball out. Um, you know, GP. I don't know. I'm lo- I'm looking through the oh, field right now. By the way, you said somebody diminutive, and it made me, for whatever, think uh, Alonzo Trier's name popped into my head. He's not diminutive. He's but, he's, he's not. I know, but like it, that just it just popped into my head, dude. Have you been able to watch Bill Walton talk about Alonzo Trier? I have not. It I've is not been it is amazing. He basically just calls him a liar in a in a in a performance oh, answer. I mean, he did it back-to-back nights. So the first night, they're on – I forget who they were playing. Like who – maybe it was a UCLA game. Scoochie, Scoochie Smith is my answer. Though. Okay, Scoochie, Scoochie Smith is, is, is uh, your pick to be the Devin Downey of the 2017 NCAA tournament. Next question, who can be the Terry Teagle? <laughs> this Terry Teagle thing, man. I got people coming up to me being like, what's up with the Terry Teagle? I'm, I'm like, I don't know, man. It's a thing. And I got people – I told you this in person, actually. I just saw you like – I don't know, a day ago. Man, you spent the, you spent the night with me. I did, actually. You made my bed. It was uh, very romantic. I really appreciated that. And uh, and then you fell asleep. Like, I was calling to you because you were watching something on your computer. And, like, whatever scene it was in this show or this movie, like, a bunch of women started singing some song from the 80s. I can't even remember it. I was like, GP, what are you watching over there, man? And I said it, like, relatively loud. No response. I said, GP, can you hear me? You were just you, you fell asleep. Yes, Laptop uh, in the bed. Yes. What were you watching? Uh, Big Little Lies. Okay, so you, I, I figured you asked if I'd seen the show. I figured that might have been it. But. Yeah, Big Little Lies. Uh, I I've just read good things about it, and I've I'm 
I think tonight on Selection Sunday was the fourth episode, so obviously I haven't seen that. But I was uh, that's the third episode. I was trying to get through the third episode, Norlander, but I was sleepy. My eyes my eyes wouldn't let me. I just fell asleep right in the middle of it, I guess, huh? Yeah. Anyway, I think we were supposed to get to my final four. Um, yeah, but I was so, going to ask you something. What was I going to ask what? you? Oh, I was going to tell you about the Lonzo Trier thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, yeah, so Walt, so yeah. they passed the other night. Like he's doing the normal – like when you're doing a broadcast, there are like a, like a couple things you just got to hit on. So they're like, okay, when there's a convenient place in the game, uh, go ahead and get into the Alonzo Trier story. Explain to people why he you know, wasn't with them all year. Um, why his first game back was actually against UCLA. So Daypash is doing like straight by the book stuff. You know, Alonzo Trier tested positive for a PED. Um, he said that he was in a car accident last summer, and uh, somebody told him to take this. And 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 uh, Bill Walton's like, "Have you ever been into a, a prison visiting room?" And Dave Pesci's like, "What?" He's like, "Have you ever been in a uh, a visiting room at a prison?" And and, and Dave's like, well, yeah, actually, I have. And, and Walton's point was basically like, yeah, they're just they just tell lies. Nobody ever nobody ever did what they're accused of doing. He basically just called BS on Alonzo Trier. And so then it got into this little thing where every time Alonzo Trier would get the ball or do something, he'd be like, Bill Walton would be like, and that's Alonzo Trier. Here, take two of these. <laughs> or then it would be like, oh it would be like, hey, here's Alonzo Trier. Take three of these. And he did it all the way. You would have thought, like, after – oh, and, and so Pash tries to say, you know, Bill, that story's been told, that he was in a car accident and was given something for pain and didn't know what it was, and that's the cause of the – that's the root of the PED test. And Walton was just like, whatever. Like, Walton was like, come on, man. <laughs> he was, like, live on television, just like, get out of my face with that BS. And so you would have thought, at least I thought, like, after the game, particularly because it's like a Pac-12 tournament game, that somebody would have gotten his ear and just said, hey, you know, that was funny. It was Walton being Walton. But, like, yo, we gotta, we can't call Alonzo Trier a cheater live on television while we're doing the back to tournament, particularly if we have no proof. Like, you got to back off that a little bit. You don't have to buy the story, but let's, let's just not talk about it anymore in that way. Let Dave explain it, and you just stay out of it. Nope. Oregon game. He'd back to doing the same thing. Every time Alonzo Trier would score, he'd be like, take five of these. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Dude, I was laughing so um, hard. I was laughing so hard. The, the Walton on Alonzo Trier thing is just fabulous. And Sean Miller and Steve Alford, you, you see that? Amazing. Well, yeah, dude, we were in the room together, but we missed it in the moment. And then Cause we, and then having, we realized Because we were having a moment. We were. It was. It's not for the podcast, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and then... Miller is awesome. Uh, both of those, both Miller brothers are just terrific. And because, you know, kind of alluding to what happened, but Miller calls a timeout with what, like a second to go because Alfred had done the same thing when they beat <laughs> Arizona earlier in the year because Alfred said he'd want to have his team poised and composed at the end of the game. Miller was asked about it on television. He said the same exact thing. This is Awesome, dude. No, awesome. like, no, he with a straight face, like it was terrific. They said, you know, you're so just, good. Your decision yes. to to call that timeout with one second left, and Sean looks at looks at the reporter, and he says, you know, when we played UCLA at our place, I thought they did a really smart thing. You know, they called a timeout with a second left to set their defense. You know, to make sure we couldn't, you know, to like, and I just, I was like, wow, you know, you learn something. You know, you can learn something in any situation. So I just thought that was brilliant. So I like, I decided to. You know, use that. You know, I still a little bit of uh, coaching from from UCLA tonight. I really, uh, I really thought what they did was awesome. So I, I wanted to try to use that myself. I mean, it was just like, and then it was, and, and they were like, "All right, thanks, coach." <laughs> it was so good. 
That's so good. Uh, all right, two quickies before we wrap up. I'm going to say my final four, then I'm, I'm just seeing something on Twitter from a little while ago that I do want to bring up because it'll kind of wrap up and come full circle. My final four, I do have Miller and Arizona getting there, uh, partly just because nothing against Gonzaga. I just have a rule. Until you get to the final four, I won't pick you to get there because they burned me like four times in my life. So that's, uh, that's my own issue. Um, I really, really, really went back and forth on Villanova and Duke. I went with Duke. Um, and I'm talking like 51-49 decision there. So give me Duke into the Final Four. I did, you know, I'm I saw both in person, so I can't say that I have recency bias, you know, firsthand account because I saw both of them in New York. I have Kansas because I already have Kansas winning the, t- the title. I have them winning, and I do have UCLA coming out of that region. I do like their draw overall. Um, and it, it, if UCLA Kentucky got a rematch, that would that would definitely be interesting. So I have Kansas defeating Duke in the title game. Um, so we'll see. GP, let's end with this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm seeing a, a quote from Dan Muller saying, I, quote, I had some anger about not making the NCAAs because, you know, he called about 20 teams that are in this year's field trying to get them to schedule them this past season. He couldn't get any of them. And good for Muller for speaking out about this. I haven't seen any more quotes, but I'm sure he went into um, some more detail. And he deserves to be angry. He deserves to be frustrated because... Illinois State, in my opinion, was one of the 36 best teams, but it was hard to put them in considering what they didn't have on the schedule. I get that, but there is another side to this, and this is why the committee needs to really just have more well-rounded evaluations because it sucks really big time that Illinois State gets punished. And this is, a, this is you know, if not punished, then what do you want to call it? Like, it's li- like literally Mueller cannot get these games on the schedule. And if he had simply had two or three coaches say, you know what, let's do it. Let's play the game. And Illinois State wins one of those games. And because of that, they don't have to schedule two or three games that that hurt their numbers even further. Then I bet you Illinois State gets into the field. But he just simply did not have that opportunity. And so it's just it's a crappy situation that college basketball needs to kind of try and untie itself out of. But, you know, props to Mueller. He, had a, he has a really good team. I hope they make the Final Four in the NIT and get some time in Madison Square Garden because that is a really good team. I wonder if, um, and I don't know. Let me preface everything I'm about to say by saying I don't know the answer to this. But I wonder if I can't get anybody to schedule me means I can't get home and homes. I can't get two for ones. Can you just get a check to go play somebody? Can you be somebody's buy game? Because uh, I, I, don't, I haven't talked to Dan about this specifically. But I've talked to other coaches about it who coached at programs similar to Illinois State's. And so they get to this this level where, like, it's a legitimate program, like, with good players and good results. And they win and, they're, you know, they draw fans. And they think they think it's insulting to, to be somebody's, like, I'm not going to be anybody's buy game. Like, that's not who we are. We're not a buy game program. And, I, and we buy people. We, you know, we buy games. We don't, we're not going to be other people's buy games. And so I can re, uh, respect the, the pride that goes into that point of view. But, but the result of that point of view is you can't get games. And so I, I've, I've wondered before if you could, okay, not get uh, home and homes and, and neutral co- uh, sites and all that. But what if Illinois State picked up the phone and said, North Carolina, we want to come play you. Virginia Tech, we want to come play you. Like, just write us a check for $75,000 or $110,000, whatever it is. Cincinnati, we want to come to your place. Florida State, we want to come to your place. Just pick up the phone and call the top 50 programs in America and say, we want to be a buy game for you because here's why. We're going to run through our league. We're going to win enough games in our league 
to put ourselves in, in, in position to, to have the type of the number of wins you need to be an at-large candidate from our league. But we're probably not going to have the quality wins. So we got to give ourselves an opportunity to get some of those. So we want to go play five. And I'm just these are rough numbers. Could be three. But like uh, Kansas State, we're coming to play you if you'll take us. Vanderbilt, we're coming to play you if you take us. Don't you think there's there's three teams out there that would say we can get a quality opponent in our arena as a bye game? Yeah, let's do it. Don't you think that would, it, would, it would work that way? Theory. Now, I'm sure that, listen, the reality is college basketball scheduling is, is definitely, it, it's it's minutia and it's one of those things where this gets done in June through September and then and then the rewards are reaped or uh, not uh, here in the now on Selection Sunday and the day after as we discuss all these things. That could be the possibility. Um, listen, knowing Mueller. I'm trying to think of who ha- the coach I have was. to believe. I have to believe, yeah, I know. I have to believe that he, if he had an opportunity to play at, and Vanderbilt's a bad example because he, you know, he was an assistant there for so long, but if he could play at the a Vanderbilt level type of place for a road game or somewhere else, he would have taken it. Um, those teams are not going to take home and homes. I don't know if two for ones. I know having no, more information definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm saying take just take the check and go play it, a one off. Like, know. but like yeah. you when you get a program that is the caliber of you're in a weird situation if you're at Illinois State at Wichita State. I don't know how many people would have taken the games, VP. I mean, maybe some would have, but the, again, everyone knew how much he had coming back. Right. So then it's the fear of like, oh crap, they're good. Like, what if we lose a home game? Like, what's that going to do to I know, our? But, so but, I don't, the, but the other side of that would be. Oh wow, we can get a high level opponent in our gym and we don't have to go to their place. We don't have to return the game ever. Like this is a good opportunity. I bet and again, I, I I'll I'll text Dan over the next couple of days and, and pick his brain about this. But I, I would bet that because there was one year when Mark Turgeon did this at Wichita State. Like he knew he had a good team coming back. I think they went to the Sweet Sixteen and then he had the bulk of that team coming back. And I remember he just went and took a bye game at Syracuse and took a bye game somewhere else. And his his philosophy was the only way I can get games, because nobody's going to play me on a neutral. Nobody's coming to Wichita. So the only way I can get games is just say, you know what? Yeah, we'll come to your place, and, and, but we're going to take your check, and then we're going we're gonna to take a W. We're going to take a check and give you an L. And that was his sort of mindset. And I, I, I wonder if, and this is all more complex than we're making it out, but I wonder if Illinois State and other programs like that wouldn't be better off if they just said, you know what? We're going to put our pride aside. We think this is messed up system, but this is the system. Ultimately, we just need the opportunities. And so, yeah, uh, we'll go be Oklahoma State's by game. Yeah, we'll go be uh, Iowa State's by game. Sure, we'll go be Oregon's by game. And you never get those games back. They're not going to come get you on a neutral somewhere. They're not going to come to your campus. But you do at least get the opportunities in any particular year because the truth is uh, the only thing, I think, that kept Illinois State out of this NCAA tournament is opportunities. I, I agree. You ready to go to bed? Dude, I can't go to bed. No, no, we aren't going to bed. We got more work to do here. And so we appreciate everyone that's listening. Uh, shout out to the people that saw me at Barclays and MSG that just were yelling shout out to Devin Downey. That was kind of random, but I did appreciate it. And uh, we're going to record Wednesday morning, right, GP? You, you don't, will you be in New York at that point? Are you traveling? What's the schedule here? I think I have a flight to New York Wednesday morning. I fly home tomorrow. And then I'm home Monday and Tuesday night. I believe I fly Wednesday, so we could we could we could do the pot after I land Wednesday in New York. That's probably the best. That's probably the best yeah. bet. All right, let's do yeah do that. We can if anything worth uh, recapping on Tuesday in the first four. That is K State Wake on Tuesday night uh, in terms of the at larges. So we can get into that, and then we'll have plenty of other news at that point. So, hey man, this is good. I feel like this is one of our strongest podcasts of the season. So, uh, despite being so tired, I feel like we got up for it. We, we 
you know, we 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 rose in the moment. We, we accepted the challenge. We faced it head on, and uh, I feel like a couple of one seats right now. I am going to finish riding and then lay down and fall asleep right in the middle of Big Little Lies. <laughs> sounds. I enjoyed sounds, I enjoyed the first two episodes for what it's worth. Good on you, my man. All right, cool. Remember, well, uh, remember, yeah. you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's where. Uh, that's the best way. And by the way, it like really is the best way to get your hands on the. Uh, episodes as quickly as possible because it's possible the other ones just won't even get published <laughs> on the on the actual website we send those in and sometimes they just get lost in the shuffle so uh if you want to make sure you get the uh itunes if you want to make sure you get the itunes uh, uh the, the ion college basketball podcast as quickly as possible get into itunes the reason i got distracted there like i just had espn on for like all night and leangelo ball just jumped off of a roof like what am i watching do you even know what i'm watching TV's off over here. No idea. It's like a, no I guess it's a sports center feature. And Leangelo, little, uh, no, it's LaMelo. Little LaMelo is like standing on a roof, jumping into a pool. I'm like, that seems dangerous. Get that's, the, not, that's not advisable. Get the Ball Brothers off that stupid roof. So I was like, I didn't know what I was saying for a second. I was worried about LaMelo. Anyway, uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, and then we're going to talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care.